Joe Giassi, welcome to the uh, the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, mate. So um, for those that don't know Joe, um, currently Adelaide United goalkeeper and about to head away with the Aussie squad to Qatar. Is that the yeah, for Qatar. the Asian Cup? Yeah. So um, is that so? First appearance with the Aussie team was Ecuador this year. Was yeah. that? You've been in the squad in the past as well. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, my first like proper experience was train on. I went in as a train on for like two days. It would have been March 2022, so yep. last year. And then I got called back into the squad in the same international window 12 months later. Yeah, cool. And then that's when I made my my first cap. So And that was was that Melbourne or Sydney that That was in Melbourne. Yeah. Um actually at the same stadium I made my Adelaide debut at. Sick. So my parents came. Yeah. Uh, girlfriend came so it was like two years and two weeks from when i made my professional yeah. debut to my soccerers debut which is pretty fast when i think yeah. when i say it out loud like that you're not that you really sort of think about it but all happened really really fast and then i went to mm. china in june with them again and then um in last month we went to we had a game in melbourne and then a game in q8 so yeah. they're world cup qualifiers how what, what would be in the top like in the aussie squad what's kind of the average sort of age like because you're like myself only 23 yeah uh, is that is there only a handful of guys that age in the squad or is it a pretty young it varies really like there's a few older boys for sure but this this period now is a bit of a transition period like we've got some more of the senior players like Matty Ryan, who's the number one keeper yep. and captain. He's 31. Um, he's been in the national team for mm. I think probably 10 years now. Yeah. A long, long time and playing for a long, long time. And then you've got sort of younger ones like myself, um, you know, Connor Metcalf, Nathaniel Atkinson, all these younger boys, Marco Tito, all these younger lads that have just sort of breaking in now and yep. getting like lots of minutes for the national team. So it's definitely a transition period. And then you've seen the mm. likes of... Massimo Luongo recently just retired. Aaron Moy has been out of the picture for a little while now, but they're sort of like getting phased out and more younger players are coming through. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a transition period for the national team, which is exciting. Yeah. So what, and then for yourself, obviously, um, it's pretty hard not to be thinking going, all right, Matt Ryan, 31. Um, <laughs> he, he probably looks like he's got a few years still left there as well, I'm assuming. Yeah. And then, oh, he's so in who's top Nick as well. He's, yeah. In, he's, he really looks after what his club body. he's playing for at the moment he's playing for az alkmaar in in netherlands okay cool um and he's in top nick like yeah. really looks after his body takes a lot of pride in that like yeah. really what he eats his training um which is great for me i'm just i get to see it firsthand mm. you can kind of just gobble it up and yeah so do you find sponge. you go in and as much as yes you're like hey i'm now top three keepers in the country um you go in there with very much that kind of, I'm going to absorb as much as I yeah, can definitely. from him because he's, I mean, how long, when did he start playing? Like, was A-League his, when he yeah, was younger? Yeah, when he was he 18. Yeah, cool. So he's been around for, you know, that's 13 years. Yeah. He's been playing professional. It's a long time. Yeah, no, I'd definitely just go and, you, you, it's hard. At the start, like when I first went in, um, in March, would have been, was my first proper camp. It was just, oh my God, I'm here. Mm. Let's just soak it up. And then, in the second game I played and that was just a blur. Amazing. Well, yeah. Well, it was like, just amazing. Yeah. It was what an experience. Like we lost, but every time I think of that night, mm. I do not once look at it negatively no. because we lost. I mean, we played Ecuador or a top team. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but then went since then in, in other camps, since I've gone in, it's like, Oh my God, I'm still, it's still have that feeling. But at the same time, it's like, no, I, I'm here for a reason. You know, I've been selected for a reason. I'm not here just mm. to, to learn and develop yes that's part of it but i'm here because i deserve to be 
Um, so you got to go. You have to go in with. So you have everyone has that sort of yeah, confidence yeah, yeah. about him. You have to go in with that confidence. But also, you're with pros, like you said, with Maddie. He's been there for been a pro for thirteen years. Yeah, I've yeah. been a pro for this is my sixth year as a pro, and I've only played. I've only been playing for the last sort of three or four seasons. Which six years in itself at the age of twenty three, like that's pretty crazy yeah. to think of in itself you're yeah like, you know you feel like but when like you said you compare to people that have been around and he'll continue to be around for a few more years to come still as well like the time window of which he probably went from learner as well like and really absorbing from the other guys like so when yeah. he would have been in the aussie squad he would have done the same thing and eventually he broke his way to being that number one and kind of being like the role model as well but that's a challenge in itself because he's like i'm the role model but also like you're you know, we're a team, but I still want that spot. Yeah. It's, right, so how does that hard. dynamic work? Is that no, he's, he's good like that. I mean, and all the boys are good like that. It, with goalkeeping, it's different like because you can't have a sport within a sport and only one can play. Mm. So, you know, I've m large majority of goalkeepers and pretty much all goalkeepers that I've met and worked with or really, we all really just get along. You know, there's kind yeah. of that talk of this is like goalkeepers union where we're all yeah. just mates. And it's really true because we all understand what everyone else is going through. So... You know, if you run into a keeper who's not playing or you're a number two or you're number three, everyone's been there in that position where you're training, yeah. you know, you're working your ass off, but you're not playing. So you can sympathize and empathize with that and understand their position. Hmm. Um, so, no, we all really get along. But at the same time, you're, you know, when we get to national team level and even with Adelaide, we're all sort of working. Only one can play at the end of the day. Yeah. So you're all working really hard to get there. Um, but no, it's a it's a good dynamic when you go away. There's a few older boys, so it's good for me now going from more of the most experienced Adelaide then to the least experienced with the national yeah, team. Yeah, yep, yep. Just to be younger again and just sort of that sponge and just soak it all up. It's it was great. kind of that you go from Adelaide, as much as that's still professional, you go from you know being the big fish in a smaller pond, and yep. then you go into an international. We well, our national team are playing on an international stage. Yeah. And you go, now I'm the small fish in the big pond and I'm back on the bench and I'm not, you know, the one that runs out the gates and gets the, you know, the crowd cheering. Yeah. You're kind yeah. of like, oh, am I getting on today and whatever. Like, how do you mentally though, when you're like, you're in a, in a training camp, you're you know battling against and with these guys as well. How are you, you know, trying to, have, what, what's your processes to try and absorb the stuff from these guys? Because um, obviously you can't just sit there and be like, oh, hey, Maddie, so what are we doing today? Like, yeah. what are you thinking today? Like, how are you just, like, when you're not the one in the goals right now, you're just, you know, you're there, you're watching, you're absorbing. When you're off the pitch, you're having the small conversations about recovery, about what he's doing, um, you know, to to take care of his body. Mm. Are you just having those conversations or are you just kind of reviewing from a distance as well? Yeah, probably just being quite observant as well as asking questions when I feel the need to. I mean, when we're in the session, we're just watch mm. it's, and it's quite hard to do because you know you'll be serving the ball or you'll be off you know out when it, it's quite easy when we get on the side and you know they're in a shooting drill or doing tactics or whatever it is just to be really observant mm. is probably the biggest thing and just watch and learn really yeah, but then yeah. have conversations as well so john crawley's the goalkeeper coach with the national team he's been working with maddie since he was 18 he was with them at the mariners when yeah, he made shit. his debut so he's been with him a long time he knows, knows a lot and he knows himself probably he, like, probably yeah. um and has been around and worked with, you know, not only Maddie, but produced a lot of other top goalkeepers that mm. have, you know, been in and around the national team, but haven't played because Maddie's been the number one. It's just mm. timing when it comes to goalkeeping. Um, so just having conversations, like I'm not scared to ask questions and, yeah. and get an answer. I feel like for me, that's the easiest way to, mm. to learn instead of sort of guessing about what this person's thinking, what that person's thinking. 
um, why they do this, why they do that. Just ask the question, yep. you know, why do you do that? What's best for this? Um, you know, in this situation, why did you do that? And most, more often than not, they just give you an answer. And I, f- I find that with life as well. Like you just ask a question, you're going to get an answer. Yeah. So you it's know. like taking that step. Yeah. And, break, and probably the first time, that first camp, you're like, I'm not, nope, nope. Like you hesitate to ask those questions. Yeah. But then the first time you do it, oh, you know, that went okay. I can yeah. keep doing this and I can, you know, roll with the punches. It's like and on a roller coaster, again, like, you know, you're scared the first time, but then you're like, oh, it wasn't so bad. And then you can do yeah. it again and again and again. You knew exactly what's going to happen, yeah. where, where where it gets tough, where it gets easy, all that sort of thing. So, um, all right, diverting a little bit, where did the, uh, who came up with the the nickname Great Wall of Gauchi? Have you heard? I've seen it a little bit, um, but I don't know. I think someone on Twitter, I saw it on Twitter that yeah. someone said it, but. Is that an Adelaide? I think thing, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's definitely an Adelaide thing. Um, I've not played enough for the national team for any of that to happen. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, definitely an Adelaide thing. I don't know why though. I haven't kept as many clean sheets as I probably should have. So it's not the greatest. They have, they have There's faith. a few holes in it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's probably a few holes in the Great Wall of China too. So it makes sense. So it's all good. Um, and then you're, you know, ambassador for um childhood cancer. Yeah, is that correct. So yeah. every, you know, some of every save you put forward. Where the um was that something that you felt was a necessary give back? Like where did that yeah. come from? Um, they approached me and the club. They have an affiliation with the club. Um, and so every every year they we do a childhood cancer game where they come out to the game and we try to raise as much money yeah. as possible. Um, and yeah, they approached me when Stefan Mork, the old ambassador, left. Um, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to just to be able to give back. I'm mm. very fortunate with the position that I'm in yeah. um, to have sort of a bit of a profile and be able to, you know, give back to, you know, kids and families that are, you know, going through a really tough yeah, time. Um, and I guess just seeing a bit firsthand through a, um, you know, close family member with, with, with cancer and the effects that that can have mm. not only on... Um, you know, the, the person themselves, but also the family as well. Yeah, exactly. Was, was you know, really sort of scary and, and, and real eye-opener. Um, mm. And so I can't imagine what families are going through with their kids. Yeah, dealing yeah. As, you know, parents and siblings, grandparents dealing mm. with young children going through, you know, cancer and cancer treatment. So, yeah, to be able to go into the wards and things like that is, you know, it's nice to be able to put a smile on kids' yeah. faces and, you know, that are going through a tough time and, the, the donations and the saves, you know, it's just $10 for every save, $20 for every point, $100 for a clean sheet. You know, it's, it's just nice to be able to do something like mm. that. I'm, like I said, in a very fortunate position. So it's nice to be able to do it and just give back and raise a bit of money because, you know, Childhood Cancer Association is has zero government funding. Yeah. Which is which is insane. When, when I, so is all the, the government funding is purely just on like the, the adult side of things, is it? Or Yeah, so the... Um, you know, they themselves get nothing. Um, there's a new, I don't want to stuff this up, but it's a new treatment um, that's coming to Adelaide. It's going to be the only one in Australia. I think the only one in the Southern Hemisphere that is going to be in Adelaide for, um, you know, cancer treatment is coming to Adelaide, I think in the next couple of years um, from what they were saying. And, you know, Childhood Cancer Association is going to be involved heavily in that, cool. In you know, yeah, with- awesome with kids and it's a, it's a more, it's a non-invasive, less invasive, I should say, treatment. Mm. Um, but yeah, they get no government funding. They do constant support for the family members, um, you know, through the treatment as well as outside of that as well. So that's, you know, giving um, accommodation for them to just get away from, 
you know, the hospital and the, and the treatment rooms. Mm. Um, yeah, they do a hell of a lot and it's all just through donations, so purely, purely, donation, purely donations. Just, yeah. Wow. Okay. So is that, are they, um, as you said, they're affiliated with the club as well. Yes. Um, so the club, does the club run campaigns and things like that also? Are they kind of play, yeah, so player driven more so? It's probably more like for myself, it's definitely more player driven. Um, but then we have the the one round per year, one of the home games. I think it's going to be our last home game of the year this year in April um, is the Childhood Cancer yeah. Association game where they'll come out. Um, the association staff will come out and work with our staff um, and they'll run a bunch of um, fundraising things at the ground. And I think last year we raised... I think it was sort of between five and 10 grand last year. It's getting better every each year, each and every year, which is great. Um, you know, it's, it's fantastic to be yeah, able it's to It's amazing the on. impact that I can have just a few grand. Like, it's, yeah, those people, they'll take anything really. Like it's in the situation they're in. Like that's a, that's a tough situation. So yeah. like to be able to, and that's where I think like, especially athletes um, have such a huge opportunity because they are, you know, generally by the general population put on a pedestal, um, it gives a really good opportunity for for them to drive, like you've done yourself through the childhood cancer thing, drive like what you're maybe passionate about or giving back and whatever and trying to you know, gather people together for something for the, the greater good sort yeah. of thing, um, you know, especially, you know, if you look across it like an American sport or something and you, you know, the, the money that's getting thrown around in some of those cases, you're like fairly sure you could gather together and buy one less car and maybe put that to what, like, I it was only the other day I was talking with a couple of my clients and we would, you know, we just, you know, I think it was after like the baseball show, Hey, Otani, I don't know if you've seen yeah, that, I saw that. $700 million or something like that. I'm sure they do give back a lot and whatever, but you just go, I wonder if, just in say major league baseball alone or in NBA alone, if they all got together and every player just like put into this massive pot, like how much they could deliver out to homelessness, to, to cancers and things like this as well. I think that's where um, like just those people with that large amounts of following as well, mm. not just the money, like it's cause it's not about just, it's not how much you give is kind of the process of doing yeah. it as well. Maybe if someone's on the lower salary cap, they're just going out there and giving back in their days off and stuff like that, volunteering even. It's just so cool. Um, but what's the lower salary cap as well? Like yeah, in these true. major sports, um, what is the lowest amount? I think it was the San Francisco 49ers quarterback this year. My old man was telling me he's was like one of the last draft picks um, he was on the minimum amount and it was like 800,000 US. Yeah, it's fucked. I think Major League Baseball is about 750 minimum. Like. So if that's the minimum, it's like... So what's that Aussie, like 1.2 mil sort of thing? Exactly. Like. So you're talking about the minimum and oh, I will just give them their time. It's like they're still earning Ridiculous. a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Sport is like that though. There's... Especially American sport, the, mm. there's so much money. It's ridiculous. Well, that's it. And I think, you know, we can't... I'm not going to oh, you know, that's, that's business. So, you know, I've disconnected from that, you know, emotional connection of like, I mean, I'm a fucking javelin thrower. I've accepted I'm not going to make money. <laughs> even if I make it to the Olympics, like it's not going to happen. I understand that's business. You know, why is that though? Go, like, why do you think they're in, I guess maybe it's probably athletics all over. You know more about it than mm. me, but athletics all over there is less. Is that just because of TV? I think it's right, a bit of a, sponsorship. I mean, it, this is the interesting thing. Like it's, you know, back when the Olympics were just really kicking off, like athletics was the thing. Mm. That's what everyone wanted to do. I mean, in a country like Australia, it's probably challenging because we do everything. 
Yeah. So, you know, even like if you looked across the board, like we, you know, the AFL doesn't pay like American football does, you know, the A-League doesn't pay like baseball does. Like it's, we're so, we're good at cricket. We're good at, we get at everything. So that's going to mean that it's dispersed. Mm. Um, but I think there's athletics hasn't found a way to make it exciting for people to want to watch. Um, yeah. And I see that this is it's a, I've got like a little list on um on my note taking thing that like in the future if I can get myself in a in a, a comfortable place then that's this is one of my goals is to try and make athletics a sport that is profitable for someone. Like if you because I look at a lot of sports like even say soccer how many guys out there are fast as they can jump higher they can do all they you know or you look at an American football you got a quarterback how far could he potentially learn to throw a jab yeah. or all these different you know, linemen could be shot putters you've got all this and i think we've got you don't need to create the athlete you just need the athlete to feel like there's a career for them mm. um yeah that's so true how many is like in all sports you get such a crossover mm. of skills one of the boys in our team run 37 kilometers an hour jeez it's pretty fast that's nuts yeah He's, so eight, put he's 17. If he can clock it and run that around a 400 meter track, like it's not quite top speed enough for a one or a two, but it's not far. Like you'd, you'd probably be making no, no, no sprint training either. That's yeah. like, we don't do sprint training. It's just natural ability. So he's aerobically fit as well. So like it's either you, you channel into that or you just go, hey, practice your sprints. Don't worry about the cardio. Yeah. Like you go in this way. Like, yeah, I think it's definitely, it's just, I mean, there's the Diamond League, which is like the European mm. um, tour, as per se. And, you know, you might win, I think it's like 20 grand or something if you win one of those. And the the final, if you win overall, you win like 100 grand. It's like, but that's one guy yeah. um, in comparison to other sports where minimum wages are hundreds of thousands or whatever. But, you know, once again, not, nothing to cry about. It's because people aren't watching and spending the money on it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I look at like, say, like a live golf at the moment. I'm like, why can't how they've I mean, golf is a big sport, but they've clearly seen that, hey, we need to do something about it to try and really continue this into the next generation, mm. probably as well. And how they've just like put together and they've got teams. Um, so you know, like Cam Smith, the Australian golfer, doesn't just play for himself, like he's playing yeah. for that. I'm like, imagine if like a I don't know, like a like Melbourne City have done uh sorry, Man City have done and they've got like Melbourne City as a clubs mm. and whatever. If these big international sporting teams actually had like athletics clubs or it could work in other sports as well yeah. you might have a like swimming Bull, team I guess, or whatever with like how they've yeah, yeah. got all the racing and stuff f1 like that. everything because you have that like say that's a prime example like um verstappen he races for red bull and himself yeah but without red bull he can't race mm. so like if you had a team and so there's kind of like a draft and a selection and you're pulling these athletes in and then you start to organize it like a live golf sort of tour around the world you, you know countries because i think you know we know the commonwealth games is going that's going under that's you know melbourne's already pulled out no one really wants it like good luck to see that continue up so really athletics has only got the olympics left mm. and then this diamond league tour which is really europe driven and it could work in other sports too i think like and you've just seen like well, craig goodwin goes across to saudi arabia like if you if you put the money into things and there's these competitions over there people are attracted yeah. to that like money talks at the end of the day um, when you're trying to when you're trying to pursue it as a job as well exactly you're going to go where the money goes yeah yeah, which is yeah, exactly why you see, or not just Craig, but you see oh, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably more, more the bigger yeah. name, Cristiano Ronaldo playing in Saudi. Mm. It's because the money's there. Mm. Or you see like a Messi go to, where is he, Miami or something? Yeah, they MLS. Just gave everything they could to him to try and grow the American league. Yeah. Like, especially them, they're, 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 they're at the end of their career. So their loyalty side of things and the pathways they need to take, they're like, I just see dollar signs now. Yeah. I don't really care. 
but yeah, because I haven't made enough already in in yeah, Europe, fuck. it's ridiculous. What is it? I reckon I saw somewhere like Ronaldo is making like eighty grand. An hour doesn't sound like enough. Like I feel like it was I don't more, know. But like I it's, don't know. I remember when all the when he did sign oh, and all the figures came out, it was just it's crazy. It's too much. It's too much money. But that's what you do one day. You're like, um, I've had this conversation with Mum before, and you're like, where do you draw the line? Like it's that's a lot of money for someone that may not know how to spend money or use it wisely. Yeah. Like it's versus um. You know, and like we were talking about before, that person may not use that to give back at all. And rightly so, that's their money. They can do what they want with it. But it's just interesting that that's, you know. Yeah, I think there's a discussion that like, something that I think about and discussed with athletes and you see it probably more so, I think in the AFL that you get a lot of young, because the, the minimum in the AFL is more than, than the A-League. Mm. Um, you see young guys that get drafted straight out of school and they start earning really good money. You know, probably earning about a hundred grand. So you're earning six figures at eighteen. Mm. It's like versus everyone else that's going to uni or yeah. But it's like, how, you, how do you deal with that money? Like, how do you manage that? You need a financial advisor and things like that. So it's about trying to be smart. So you see the like players in Europe and things like that that are earning way mm. more. It's like, well, how do you? Well, who's the young lad, Adelaide United player that's you know signed with Nesta? Is he? Yeah. yeah. That's a lot for a young guy to wrap their head around as well. Like, yeah, exactly. Because what he, that was, I don't know exactly what he signed for, but it was it was much more than minimum A League wage. Like it's yeah, I don't know, um, I don't know the figures on the wage, but still, it'd be more. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you go about being smart with that? Because you could just you know waste it all, mm. and then you come to the end of your career. It's the thing, you, your career's so short. You have got maybe 10, 15 years mm. at best, and it's like if yeah, you're saying you're not getting injured. Exactly, you're on top of your form yeah. the whole time. Like yeah. it's you're not getting dropped because um, yeah. then obviously then teams start to like hesitate on paying you and all those sort of things. Yeah. Like, um, and that's what I think, and that's interesting. Then obviously, um, that's maybe where the Americans can claim their system works a bit better because it's kind of generally you go to college, then you play, you know, yeah, top sport. But even then, like I say, like you know, they go to college, but do they really go to college? Not really. They they pass, but yeah. I feel like their focus. If you're there for football. It's football. If you're there for basketball, it's basketball, and the the education side of things on the side. It's like teaching someone, and we, you know, both um, going to school here in Adelaide. Like it's the Australian. You don't teach financial literacy really on on how to spend your money, maybe investing your money, and all those sort of things. So these guys, like you said, athletes come in the first paycheck, even if it is just a hundred thousand, they're like bang new car. Yeah. Or they say, oh, I can get a house now straight yeah. away, and that's them. And then the next season they get dropped. They're like, oh. Yeah. No, I don't have any money to pay the mortgage on the house I just bought. Like it's um do, do clubs help you? Do you have no. people within the club that do that at all? No, so through the uh the PFA, which is our like um player association, which is separate from the clubs and the league and things like that, I think they do offer that sort of um financial advice, but you have mm. to sort of seek it yourself. Yeah, okay. Um but yeah, I mean about school, you don't get taught any of that stuff, which is ridiculous. I've just gone through setting up my first mortgage and mm. like I was so confused. I've mm. never been more confused in my life. Asking a billion questions, it's like why don't why am I not taught this these things? You shouldn't. It shouldn't in be school. confusing. Like, like it doesn't make sense to me that I'm doing trigonometry that I've not used once. Mm. But all the financial stuff about doing your taxes, mortgage, you know, just paying bills. When I first moved out of home, I I was literally in the middle of year 12, 17, and I was like, I don't know how to do anything mm. for paying bills like how do i pay my electricity like, yeah exactly you're getting overdue notices you're like i just don't know how to pay it, it was <laughs> like it was ridiculous um yeah, it, yeah it baffles me that i don't understand that at all yeah and to your point like it's not 
maybe the trigonometry is all right for someone. But the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, I'm the sure some is, people use it, but the, I definitely don't. The, the, yeah, I don't either. Don't I? The dude that uses the trigonometry still needs the tax and yeah, all exactly. of that anyway. So yeah. it's like, why would that? I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole of the why they may not want to, you know, the investing side of things. Like it's because if everyone starts winning, no one starts winning. Yeah. But you know, come on, basics, mortgage, tax, setting up an ABN if you want to run your own business, all those sort of things. And like, and that's to say like, you know, there was, you could study business at school and they go, oh, I'll just go to uni for that. I'm like, I don't need to pay 20 grand to someone to teach me how to do my taxes. Like that yeah. should be in year 11 and 12, maybe just once a week or even just a, a week like they have someone come in once a day throughout the week and they teach you about these sort of mm. things as well. Like it would go a long way. Like, so when you first moved out of home, you're like I'm pretty comfortable bang straight in. I know, know what I'm doing. I know how much, you know, cause when your paycheck comes in, I mean, I don't know exactly how, um, you know, athlete paycheck works as per we se, get, but we get paid monthly. Yeah. So is which that, is, which is pretty tough when you first started getting paid. You make you're it out of home. Oh, you see it come in on one day and then you yeah. just watch it go out for the next month. And it's like yeah, the last two hard, weeks actually. are always, when I was out, I was like, the last two weeks were always the longest two weeks of my life. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be like, hang on. Well, that's in itself, Once, just to your point there. Like, it's you have to know how to, to make that last four weeks before the next paycheck comes in as well. Yeah. Um, And even then, like, say people I know personally, you know, even to this day, I'm not perfect at it. You know, you see your payment come in from, from clients or from work or whatever, and because I run my own business, that's before tax. Mm. and then it's in my bank account but it's not really mine yeah because then i get the notification from the ato we're here to take you know some of your money i'm like oh you fucking pricks yeah. like uh, but like if you're not literate into how to understand you know that maybe put 30 percent to the side and do all those sort of things like it's a whole new world like yeah it's um yeah the things that you've like you know we're you know, five years out of school now the things i've had to learn in those five years nothing i'd ever really thought i'd have no, to learn um, not at all. nothing school had ever really mentioned either like it's it's yeah it's interesting that it's not a subject or something at least an option or maybe not it doesn't have to be something that's like you have to do it but just give an option mm. that you can start to learn these things if it's something you're interested in i'm sure most people would do it anyway well most parents would push their kids i think into it think as well so. like it's um but they would they would know what that you know the repercussions of that of great like yeah. it's really good i think we're quite fortunate as well to have you know at least i know my parents were very have obviously gone through all these things and were quite keen to push you know things onto me about giving me that information on how to do certain things whether it was mortgage about budgeting and all mm. those things having that understanding but not everyone has that as no. well so it's like if you don't have parents that are able to pass down that knowledge then where do you go to find it like you left it to your own devices really yeah, exactly. to go look for it and like where do you go to look for it and especially i think you know we you know for us both luckily went to a, a private school as well the people mm. we were regardless of then you know yes we were lucky with the parents that had that um but then the layer again if you were at that school with the parents that didn't have it you were around people that maybe were having some of those yeah. conversations when you ran around to their house on the weekend or something like that but you go through the layers of it and it, you, you must you know a lot of public schools even further likely less likely to have that sort of education around them as well the school um doesn't have that network going for them as mm. well that's going to help as much yeah um and then you know i imagine there's a lot of guys playing professional sport that have come from that background like it's it's i don't know you know i don't know figures or whatever but you know you see it happen in american sports a large majority or a large percentage of people that are playing professional sport have come from not much mm. like you hear those stories all the time they got no idea what, you know, this was just a survival mechanism and now they've made it and someone's just dropped a million dollars in their bank account. They go, ooh, 
Lambo. Yeah, and that's people with like that are earning high ends of money, like we were speaking about before. They're earning high, they're high earners, mm. and they're still not sure. So then you th- go to the other end of the spectrum, and you have got people that are just working what you'd call a regular job and might not be earning the most. And mm. then they've got to learn those things, and then it's so much more financial pressure to do it because mm. they're not high earners. They don't have an excess of just money that they're able to go and do these things. Well, that's it. So then once they like once the high earners, once you learn, you're in a financial position to do it. The lower income earners, once you eventually learn, it's like, well, you're not in even in a position to do it. So it's so much more financial stress. Yeah, it's true. Rid- it's ridiculous. Yeah, if the high earners cock it up, they've still got another 200,000 sitting there. Exactly. So it's not really the end of the world, is exactly. it? Exactly. So, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, back to soccer then. So you, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but you went, so you signed initially, your first A-League contract was with Central Coast. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then, so you found yourself then back with City. Yeah. And then you played back local league in Adelaide. Was that just in an off season with Adelaide? Yeah, so City, I went from it? Mariners when I signed there when I was seventeen, mid league year twelve. Went to the Mariners, got released, then came back here, played Adelaide City like MPL for a little bit, mm. and then went to Melbourne City. Yep, how and was, then ended up back here. How was? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit ago now, but like going from being like I've done it, I'm in the A League, then to being back into the local, you know, the MPL. Were you pretty like mentally? How do you then go? I'm going to get myself back up and get into City or was it a pretty quick transition to then go to City? Um, I mean, it, regardless, you didn't know it was going to happen. So you- Yeah, I mean, when I signed, I signed in the middle of year 12 and you can imagine a kid in the middle of year 12, 17 years old, signing first professional contract. I was a big fish in a really small pond. Mm. It was a fish bowl. It wasn't even a pond. You know, And I thought, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go to the Mariners. I'm going to train hard. I'm going to start playing straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to get my move. I'm going to go to Europe. That was like in my head. That was what I wanted to do. And the time frame, you go in a couple of years. I'm there. Yeah, I thought uh, before I'm 20, yeah. I'll be in Europe. Yeah, I got there within the first week. I was like, I'm not playing a single game this season. I was so far off the pace. Mm. It took me six months really to get up to the pace. What do you think? Like when you say pace, what was the biggest? Was it you know just tempo of the actual yeah, game? Just or? intensity. Um, what it meant to be a professional. So my first ever, um, my first ever training session. It was 9:15 arrival. I walked into the change room 9.15 on the dot. Everyone was in there. The coaches were in there about to dress the team for the first session of preseason. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I felt late. Older boys, you know, I've never met yeah. any of them either. Some of the senior boys were throwing me a bit of banter. At the time, I was like, they're smashing me. I'm late. Yeah. You know, like, I thought they, they hated me straight away. Yeah. But from then on in, I was never late again. Yeah, like, I was always there an hour and a half early. And still to this day, I... I'm hate being late. Mm. I'm always extremely early from that first experience. So it was just things like that, learning how to be a professional, what it meant to train five, six days a week, you know, then how do I then recover from that as well? For the first six, eight, probably the whole year, I was tired. Mm. I was just so tired. I went from training locally, you probably train three days a week in a game, but they're nowhere near the same intensity no. as what it was there. So it's just about learning all that and straight and the, and the pace of the, just getting up to the standard was probably the biggest thing as well. Mm. I was like, I'm miles off it. That's it. You know, you know, it's not just intensity increase for the same amount of sessions. It's intensity increase for twice the amount of sessions. Yeah, pretty much. Like exactly. Um, like so, a week, like a training. You know, is that two hours? What What's a normal? Oh, it varies. It varies. I mean, now because I'm playing and things like that, it starts to vary because you're trying to peak. You've got a peak day. You know, you're trying to peak for the game. You want to be fresh and all those sorts of things. So, so yesterday was our work day. Today's a day off. We play on Saturday, um, today being Wednesday. So, yeah, yesterday was like two hours on pitch. Yeah. 
Um, tomorrow, two days before the game, will probably be an hour to 90 minutes. And then day before the game is probably 45, short, sharp. Yeah. And then you play. Are you So is it all pitch in season or are you nah. doing some strength and conditioning gym, sort gym of stuff as for well? For me as a keeper, because I don't run. Yeah. I like to do more of the, the gym work. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, only in preseason I have to run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do more of the gym stuff. So yeah, the boys always smash me because I'm in there so much, but I really enjoy it. I, I like to see the benefits of it. So probably during the week, it's probably two power sessions um, and then a lower body strength session. Yeah. It also depends on the week. Sometimes we have three days between games, four days between games. Yes, there's no time. So there's no real time. You kind of just, I'll probably tick a box of a little bit of upper body and a little bit of power. Mm. And then you're just trying to prepare for the game. It's more just a mental feel good sort of thing. Like you don't want to go a whole day with doing nothing if you, because that's a challenge in itself. I know personally, like say if it's the day before Jav or something like that, doing nothing, you're like, am I going to feel worse? Um, or But I don't want to overdo it. You're probably similar by the sounds of it from what you're saying. Like if I'm in the gym, I'm thrashing myself. So like it's hard to then yeah. be like, how do you like monitor that? Is that, um, yeah. Like, what, what are you about? How, what do you, do you have some rules you go by if you go if i know it's three days i only do one gym session if in between or if it's yeah it's really just a feel like getting um just by doing it really so i have a real good really good relationship with our strength and conditioning coach mm. so we always sort of have a discussion at the toward after the game or on our rest day getting into the start of the week we'll have a discussion about okay this is how many sessions we've got where's our day off do we yeah. have a day off what does the week look like for me um so on a typical week, we'll have two sessions, day off in the middle, two sessions, and then play. Yep, it's perfect because first day back you can get an upper body and a really heavy power. Mm-hmm. The second day will be a heavy strength session, lower body, and then two days before the game, lighter power, a little bit of upper body, and then day before the game's nothing, and then yep. play. So that's pretty typical. So that's on top of pitch training. That's on as top well. of pitch. Yeah. Yep. So the the pitch will I don't have as much control of that. That's more yeah, about. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever the coach has put forward. Mm. But yeah, then so for like a three-day lead-in to a game, there's no day off. Um, I'll typically just do one and it'll yep. be sort of a hybrid of power um, with upper body as well. But it's just getting a feel too. And then some weeks where the boys, when I'm, about, when I'm about to go away, the boys come into quite a heavy period where they play, we play Saturday, then they play Thursday, then they play Monday. Shit. So it's a pretty heavy period. So then mm. in that sort of, you know, especially the outfield boys, you're not touching the gym. No. Because they, they do... You've got boys doing sort of 12, 13 Ks mm. in the midfield. Our center backs are doing like, I think some of them are doing like nine to 10 kilometers, a lot of running. And it's not it's not a Sunday jog. No, no. Like it's, it's, it's not sprint. running off the Christmas ham. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're yeah, going. It's like high you're intensity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know how they do it. I watch some of these boys. We've got one of the young lads, Giuseppe Bovolino. He's just come in and he plays right back and he just runs up and down and up and down and up mm. and down. I get tired just watching him. I don't know how he does it. It's insane, the amount of running. Mm. And then, yeah, they've got to back it up a couple of days later. So, yeah, you're not touching You're not touching away yeah. that week. So, what do you um, notice? you got, like, the whoop band on and things yeah. like that. Is that a club thing? Do most guys do nah. that? Or is that a personal? That's uh, a personal thing. Yeah, I got into it, like, August 2022. So, I've been wearing it a little while now. Um, but, yeah, I've managed to get a few of the other boys onto it in the team mm. they just ask questions and they started wearing it and they're like yeah i love it so what's what what uh initiated that i, I always have like a um two-sided opinion to to whoop bands and things like that like it's yeah i saw yeah. one of your posts on them ages yeah, ago yeah, i've yeah. never seen it. i was like oh that's a cool that's like i'll i can see both sides of the coin yeah 
So um, how like is it what do you find is your main use like metric wise are you or is it just a general kind of like cuz sometimes wearing those things is almost like it's it makes you aware like when you go oh like you just had a drink before you're like I don't know the little things like oh I haven't drank today like it's yeah. if you look at your watch you're like you run through like a little subconscious list in your head you kind of like water food protein uh have I, am I sitting on my ass for too long all those sort of things do you find like subconsciously it helps that's a massive impact or are you yeah. really analytical with it I'm well? someone that's very, I love routine. I love things being in order. So like the way you just thought about like food, water, like I think like that, that's mm. just how I operate um, in a very relaxed way though, not in like a, it has to be, I have to eat at the same time. I have to mm. eat the same foods at the same time. You know, I have to drink every 15 minutes or whatever. If I'm sitting down too long, I have to stand up and yeah. I, that was, I had an Apple watch. I hated that thing because I'd come home from a hard session. I'd, I'd sit on my ass mm. playing PlayStation for a couple of hours and it told me to keep standing up. Well, I'm not standing up. I'm tired. I'm <laughs> if sitting If you were me down. right now, you'd yeah, sit down exactly. too. Right? <laughs> so I hated that thing. Um, but yeah, I first when I first got Whoop, I was like trying to sleep more. Yeah. I was really in, I started getting, I was just looking at my recovery. Mm. I had a day of a game. My, my recovery was like 50% or something. I was like, I'm not recovered for the game. You know, how am I? And I went and played the game. Played great. Mm. and then that in my head like light bulb went off i was like okay so that doesn't really matter i just now there's a feature on whoop that came in a little while you can hide all your metrics yeah so i have all my recovery and everything hidden i so can't see any of it go if i make an effort it. to go look for it the only thing that i really use now is my sleep coach yeah so i wear it all the time for every gym session every training every game i get my strain that then just guides my sleep. So mm. I just make sure I sleep good. That's yeah. pretty much all I use it for now. And then at the end of the day, once I'm done, I'll go and have a look and I'll be like, oh, I was actually 40% recovered, but you know what? I felt great. So for me, I just focus on sleep and just waking up going, okay, I feel great every single day. Like yeah. just telling myself to feel good. I think that's, um, and that's kind of like to the point why I you know, brought up the the mixed opinion on it as well. I was like, no algorithm knows your body better than you know your body still. Yeah. Like it's, especially as a professional athlete, like it's every, you know, you know, John Doe on the corner of the road probably doesn't know fucking his body at all. Like you could run, look at him and tell him more than he knows, but yourself who's every day you're like, you're monitored, like you go into the gym, you're like, oh, I feel a bit crap today. And you do a little recap. You're like, oh yeah, I didn't eat breakfast or, you know, I was, there was only toast and not oatmeal and berries, which is my normal meal. Like you have the little things that kind of trigger you into understanding maybe why you're feeling a certain way as well. Mm. But prime example, you know, if oh, I'm 40 or 50% recovered and you go out and you play a good game, it's like, you can still do things like yeah. that's why I hate like people are like oh I better take the day off my whoop says I'm tired I'm like what yeah <laughs> like, nah. that, like you know maybe as an athlete like you might be like oh maybe I need to do taper back the volume or something like that but like people then now use these things as an excuse to do nothing and that's probably my side of things where I'm like you know if you don't know anything about your body you're going to this thing's going to be gospel like the Apple Watch, like anyone, you know, their Apple Watch, they're like, oh, burnt this many calories. So I'm like, well, it's not the world's most accurate thing. But anyway, that's all right. Yeah. You know, like it's just their the whole life revolves around this thing. Mm. Um, whereas in the case of how you've just explained you've used it is extremely beneficial. Yeah, I think I was definitely probably more like that at the start. But for me, like I can't look at my recovery, say it's low, and then go to my coach and say, oh, my whoop recovery is low. Let's have an easy session today. Mm. Like at the end of the day, the work I have set for me is set. Mm. the sessions that i have set in the gym i'm going to do whatever that i'm doing on the pitch i'm going to yeah. do and i'm going to give 100 percent. yeah it's more okay if i wasn't how i was using it before i just turned all the data off and just hit it all together it was like okay if i'm not as well recovered today what can i do post session 
to then be more recovered mm. tomorrow. Yeah. But then I was just thinking about it. And th- this is the way that I look at it all now. And I love all the health trackers and things like that. I think they're really cool. And mm. I think it's becoming really popular of late to track your health. Which, and it gets people moving as well. Which is like good. Like, I don't think it's benchmark. a bad thing to, as well. Like, there's two ways to look at it. But if becoming tracking your health and your sleep is in and the cool thing to do, then great. Like, yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. best thing ever. It never used to be. Mm. Um, but that's so, it's become trendy. It's become trendy, exactly, mm. to, to track like, your sleep. Like, you don't look like a twat wearing a whoop band to exactly. breakfast. Whereas in the past, you go, what the fuck is on your wrist, mate? Like, oh, no, know, I still get that. Yeah. They'll be like, "Is that's a weird watch. Like, You can't tell the time. Like, yeah, I know, you can't. It's not the point. <laughs> and then, especially that, I feel like an older demographic, if you went out with the grandparents or something, they'd be like, what's the point of that? There's no time on it. It's useless. Like, yeah, well, some of, my, <laughs> some of the coaches are like just, because they come from just a different generation yeah. and they're starting to see a few boys wearing whoop and stuff like that. It's like, and we never had any of that when we were no. playing. Like our recovery was like a cold beer, Back and that was it. Day, like yeah. you know, it's just completely different generation. But um, yeah, it was more of like you know, how can I use what the metrics that I'm getting to recover better? Mm. But then I was just like, well, at the end of the day, all I can control is when I go to sleep and when I wake up. I can't control my my HRV. I can't control my respiratory rate. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can do things that can then maybe improve that. You know, have a nice nighttime routine, routine yeah. and things like that. But once I'm asleep, I'm asleep. Like I can't touch it. When how I wake up and what it tells me is what it tells me. Mm. But as long as I'm just getting, you know, eight to nine hours of good rest, I'm gonna be sweet. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's um like I said, someone that's in tune with their their body, you're you've probably already done a lot of the uh analytics yourself throughout the day anyway. Like if you go to a training session, regardless of whether you look at this and you go, I feel pretty flat today you're probably going to know why. You'll be like, oh, actually, I woke up two times last night. You know, dog yeah. next door was barking or something. Yeah, like, yeah, eh, yeah. It probably has something to do well, with it. Well, it was like yesterday, you know, day after Christmas, I'm in the gym. I felt so lethargic. It was like, well, I had probably the world's biggest lunch. Mm. I ate a bunch of dessert. It's not really the most high quality. I was then so full, I didn't eat dinner. Mm. And, and then I just woke up and had breakfast. So actually, I'm probably not the most well i'm definitely not the most i then i had a really restless night's sleep as well so it's not the best preparation no but it's then like okay well that's when i'm like discipline beats motivation Mm. like if i'm just i'm just gonna get the session done i'm gonna give it my and then you know what it's like when you're in the gym you start off a bit flat you're in there for 20 minutes all of a sudden bang bang you're awake Mm. yeah and you feel unbelievable and you're like Mm. thank god i didn't not do it yeah exactly yeah you're um like your body just knows like it's kind of especially some of that, that that's a, an enjoyable part of your day as well like so it's whether whether that's the physical side of things that switched on or whether mentally your body's oh thank god you actually let me you know exercise again and now you feel so much better for it but it's, once again you like you said you may not be a strict person of routine but it showed you know how powerful a routine is mm. you know it doesn't have to be down to the minute but throwing your routine off through christmas christmas day like obviously it's that time of year you do that it's, oh, you know, it's different but if you're doing that mid-season every week sort of thing you can see why then that impacts yeah. recovery your ability to train and go to the next level and all those th- sort of things as well which regardless of whether someone wants to do it or not is probably a really a big indicator of whether someone can go to a higher level and that's not to say i'm sure if you broke down some of the world's best players there'd be some interesting oh. like, terrible diets routines and whatever but a lot of those guys were born freaks, sort of thing. Like it's they I see were it just firsthand. You know, some 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 boys, man. Like I'm just, I can't. I could never do it. I'm mm. very. I like have like I said, have all my things in order. You know, have all my ducks in a row. But some boys just 
so laid back, just, you know, do this, do that, not really fast what they eat, when they eat, how they sleep, when they sleep. I'm like, just scratching my head. I don't know mm. how the hell you do this. Mm. I cannot do it. No. But I want, you know, are those guys that are pushing into national teams and things like that as well? Or are they, you think they're pretty mentally content with the level they're at oh, also? Like, I don't know. That- I mean, everyone's ambitious. You know, no one really just plays the sport not to be ambitious, I don't think. Like, no. With Javelin, you're not doing it just to be average no no average at it like you're gonna boring, man. yeah exactly like you're gonna do it and you're yeah, gonna try yeah. and push yourself yeah. to the highest level so everyone does that but some people they go about it like maybe you and i wouldn't be very disciplined and you know ask questions try to find out what's the you know best way to train best way to mm. recover what's best to eat when's best to eat all those sorts of things that little one percenters that make a big difference yeah but other people can be ambitious but just not be asking the right questions true yeah yeah, it's interesting. But back to you, like the the health thing. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing the whoop bands. Like that's, I'm, mean, oh, you know, no. like so saying some that people your... do, and I can understand that. Like it's not for everyone. I yeah. completely understand. No, that. I was, you know, I was saying like it's, you know, the your your point was perfect though of that that you know now that health is a trend, let's actually ride the wave a little bit as well and take advantage of that because like you do have it, you know, the rise of the Fitbit probably started that and people going, oh, how many steps have I done today? And it's like steps aren't going to change your life, but it's the fact that you're now deliberately moving and same with the Apple Watch and as much as the calories on it are not, you know, accurate, they're inaccurately accurate. So yeah. the, the level of inaccuracy stays the same. So, you know, that they can use that and the Whoop Band, like it's, they're, they're conscious at least. Of, it makes people um, accountable, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. Where you go, okay, well, I had a bad night's sleep or I didn't get as many steps in today. Like I'll make sure tomorrow I do that. I sleep better. I yeah. move more. Like it just makes people accountable, which is. Mm. And it's pretty ch- ch- relatively cheap in comparison to some of the other things out there as well. Like yeah. what's whoop like 40 bucks a month or something. Maybe not even like. Yeah. I'm not, I just, I bought a whole year in advance, like a whole mm. year and was like, I'm going to wear it for a year and see if I like it. Mm. And then I literally just renewed for another year. I'm like, I'm yeah, yeah. in love with it. But it's you know, relative compared to, you know, if someone's, especially if you've got the the background into some form of knowledge of exercise in the past, like it's you go out there rather than say, you know, paying hundreds of dollars for coaches and things like that to have around you, that is enough to push you to get there every day and be consistent. Then it's, it's well, how many, fine. how many subscriptions would you pay for, for like Netflix, Stan, oh. Apple TV, all these things, you're paying nearly a hundred dollars a month. You don't blink an eye at them either. Like you're like, yeah, well, getting that, rid it's of worth them. it. It's worth it. It's worth yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I watch this show, I watch that show. Mm. It's, similar sort of investment in terms of price and the benefit that i think you get from it so much better for your for your health isn't it so yeah yeah, it just depends what sort of person you are and what things like work for you i guess yeah no exactly 100 percent agree with that um and you know regards to your you know 23 it's quite young still but obviously you were in front of some like the media and things like that from a, a younger age anyone in a similar sort of position how did you attack that did you have people helping you attack that um and what like kind of advice are you do you what really helped you yeah to deal with the media like i'm sure like you're not getting slammed by them you've not been done anything too controversial but they like to poke buttons still so yeah how'd you deal with everyone everyone they're always looking for a headline i mean it's their job at the end of the day Mm. um but no i try to stay away from controversy as much as i can try to stay very politically correct and um things like that but no i think just my first i did my first radio interview when i was 16 when i was playing mpl here so i was exposed to it at quite a young age Mm. um and then when 
I didn't then go back in front of the media. It would have been like through the Mariners, Adelaide City, Melbourne City. It didn't do any of it because I wasn't playing. Yeah. It wasn't until then I, I'd started playing at Adelaide that I got my first taste, um, I guess, of that side. And no, I didn't really have anyone guiding through. I guess the the social media team or the media team, I should say, at the mm. club um, would sort of prep me on the questions that they might ask and maybe ways that I can uh, navigate those questions. Yeah. And um, I've just always naturally really enjoyed doing the media side. Not every player, not all players do. Quite a, Most players that I speak to really hate it, but... Yeah. I quite enjoy it. I think it's a good opportunity just to articulate, try and articulate yourself in a good way. I find mm. it a bit of a challenge as well sometimes. Um, when it's learning another when, skill, isn't it? That you, yeah. You know, as, an, as an athlete, you're not practicing that every day, but it's an opportunity that you never know when you'll use that in the future then again. Yeah, and it, it, in, the, in media generally, the questions that they ask are pretty much the same from game to game, week to week. Yeah. You might get a few that vary, but generally they're the same so you can sort of you end up sort of answering them all the same way mm. so it's, i don't really like that i like questions that make you think and yeah. are kind of outside the box and you get to see a bit of the athlete's personality yeah you know that's why when an athlete comes out and says something you know maybe a bit controversial mm. and they're like oh wow he's got a personality it's like well no it's just because the questions that you ask so they're the same every week that people can just roll over the same sort of stereotypical answers so i always push it back to oh team played well like you know they're like oh joe you made some cracking saves you're like yeah well overall the team played really well you know like you know luckily the defenders didn't let too much through to really affect me you know divert it to being about not just about yourself like that's a very typical sort of athlete team sport answer yeah 100 percent. i mean no one you do get some players (laughs) that'll be quite happy to take the spotlight themselves but in the position that I'm in, there's 10 other players on the field mm. and then there's me. You know, I'm not the goal scorer. Mm. I'm the goal stopper, mm-hmm. hopefully. So, You're the great wall, you know. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully like the players in front of me, hopefully I do nothing. That's what yeah. I say. And I'll say that openly in the media. It's like, my, I hope I go out there and I don't have a shot to save mm. because that means I'm being yelling my head off to the people in front of me and we've worked together as a defensive mm. unit mm. to keep the other team out. That's great. I can stand there, look pretty, get a couple of nice photos, hopefully. Great. That's it. I don't <laughs> get to media team to Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but with the media, it's just something I've naturally always enjoyed. Mm. And as I've got older It's a maturity thing as well, though. Like yeah. it's not I mean, I know, yeah, to your point of the odd guy that likes to stand up, you know, yeah, I did play well today, sort of thing. Like it's um you've always I mean, I know, you know, I think from, like I said, playing with you, even when we were 12, 13, whatever it was. Like a while ago now. Yeah. But you always know, and like we've, you know, randomly touched base, seen each other around the place. Like it's, you can tell when someone's mature and when they're not. Um, and, you know, at a young age, being exposed to that level of the older guys, like, and that shows also that you've gone in as a sponge because you've taken on the maturity of the older guys. As yeah. Well. Like it's going to be a lot easier for you to deal with those sort of things in comparison to someone that maybe isn't so much of a sponge, doesn't soak up, the older guys advice and how they go about things and then they have an ego to themselves and they're immature yeah. and whatever i think everyone like the way that i sort of looked is like everything i'm going to go through most people have done before mm. so like most people have you know everyone's done a post-game interview so yeah. it's like you can learn off them in that way or in just training and whatever you can just ask questions and learn off them because they've all done it before mm. like it's not they've all been in your position as well you know, when I was younger, it was like first year as a pro, you know, probably a bit 
or definitely like self-conscious, didn't want to step out of line, mm. but you just, I was just asking questions and just soak, like literally just soak it all up. Yeah. And it was the best thing for me because then as I've started to get older, I can see sort of the rewards of that because yeah. it, without it really knowing, it's just become routine, like mm. being on time and working hard and all those things that the lessons that I was told from older boys mm. is just like become who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Um, for you personally, you mentioned obviously Europe was the goal by 20 when you went to the Mariners sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out. What's um, plenty of years ahead still. Like what's, um, you know, I mean, A-League, you know, it's a, it's, it's a growing league especially, but mm. I'm, I'm assuming that's not where the uh, the aspiration stops for you. Is You know, is priorities right now, is that kind of getting in, you know, Aussie, you know, moving your way up into two and three you know two and one spots and all those sort of things like confirming or just at least solidifying your place in the squad um where do you when you know, future wise where the priorities lie for you i'm really quite relaxed on it now like i said when i was younger i was very gonna do this by this age mm -hmm. this by this age and i'll be here by then but now it's i learned very quickly that's not how football works it's all about timing the right doors opening at the right time so my the way i kind of look at it now is just like number one is just work really hard and work as hard as I can. Mm. Um, and then my second one, this sounds so cliche, but it's just enjoy it. Like I'm in a position where I get to play sport for a living. Mm. I'm going to do that for maybe the next, hopefully if I look after my body, I could do it into my forties as a goalkeeper. Yeah. That would be the dream. But really I've got two years left on my contract after this. After that, nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. And even that's not guaranteed. You cop an injury, next mm. thing you know, you know you you can't Happens play football. Quickly, doesn't you know, it? we yeah. had a a more senior player. One day he broke his leg last year in a game. He was off contract. He didn't sign a contract. Now he doesn't have a club, mm. and you know it's more difficult for him now to find one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just in just enjoying exactly where I am, but also working hard. You know, I'm always comparing myself to the highest level as well. Not just being content with where I am in terms of in the A-League, I'm very happy to be playing here, but comparing myself to the best goalkeepers in the world, mm. what are they doing? How are they training? Um, you know, what sort of things, what can I take off them essentially? No, yeah. And that's healthy. Like it's your, like you said, no one plays sport just to be average. Yeah, exactly. You're playing it to be the top of your game. And that's right now you're wanting to be the top of your game within the club you're at. Yeah. But you want to be the top of your game for whatever club you fall yourself into into the future. Um, But to your point, you mentioned like, you know, a lot of like keepers, like they seem to stand the test of time, you know, potentially playing until you're 40 or something like that. I guess that touches into then the patience game as well is mm. understanding that, like if you took average age of say keepers in the uh, English Premier League or in all these big leagues, they're probably not twenty five. Yeah, average age might be a little bit higher, and you know all those sort of things as well. So that's yeah. a challenge in itself. Yeah, you have to be very patient. I was so fortunate to break through when I did. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean I started playing at. I made my debut. I would have been twenty. Is so young for a keeper. Yeah, it's yeah. so so young. We were very fortunate. Myself and James, who's number two, he was number one in front of me at the time. That Adelaide just didn't have a number one goalkeeper. Mm. It was during COVID. Money was short. Um, okay, we'll get some young boys in, and we'll just back them in. Yeah. And I mean, I'd think they'd like to. They'd probably say now that the you know it's paid off because mm, definitely. you know I've been able to be able to play and play consistently and go into the national team and things like that, and also. You know, I think 
Adelaide as a club has sort of paved the way for other clubs as well because yeah. you're starting to see a lot more young keepers come okay. through yeah. because they can just, from the business side, they can just save money. You and they just, get them ahead of the game. So if exactly. you've got a number one yeah, keeper, you, then you're, you're, you know, in three years when, or five years or whatever, that keeper's been playing, you know, and training with you. Now they're 25 and they're ready to go sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, but patience is a big thing. I had to, you know, I had three clubs in three years, mm. professional clubs, three professional clubs in three years. I joined Adelaide. I did my hamstring first week of preseason. Okay. I then started the first year as number three. Yeah. So I, I wasn't even on the out. bench. I was yeah. just training and watching the game from the mm. stands. And like, did I want to play? Yes. Did I want to get on the bench? Yes. I was really pushing hard for that. But it was like, okay, this is the position I'm in now. What can I do? It's just work. It's not. It's honestly no different to what I mm. try and do now. It's just work hard and enjoy it. Do what you can. Control the controllables. Mm. Like, it's just my biggest thing. If I just control my work ethic, you know, what I'm doing on the field, what I'm doing off the field, have a great time while I'm doing it because I have the best job in the world. Yeah then the product of that is hopefully I'm performing well. You know, well, at that case, I was training well and I can yeah, push to get yeah. onto the bench. Now it's, it's just hopefully I'm just performing well mm. and see where it takes me because, you know, get going to Europe, yes, I, I'm really ambitious to go over there. But at the same time, I want to keep playing. Like I've worked really, really hard. So mm. being in the position to play, that's then got me into national team. I don't just want to throw it away then to go and be a number three or a number two no, goalkeeper. No, no. Yeah. So... I'm very fortunate with the position that I'm in. I'm at home, you know, got all my family right, and support yeah. network around me and I'm playing and, you know, in a team that's really young and really exciting. And because of that, I've been fortunate enough to mm. be with the national team. It's, you couldn't really write it any better, I don't think. No. As an Adelaide boy growing up, you know, you would have been as well going mm. to Coopers, watching the Reds, but to then have Eugene who was playing and I was going to watch as now my coach, like, you couldn't write it any better. Yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. That's it's, pretty cool. It's, I love it. It's the yeah. best job in the world. Yeah. So then obviously you mentioned obviously being home though, but for a period of time there, you weren't home. Yeah. How was that? That would have been, as, and so you were 17 when you went to the yeah. Mariners for the first time. Uh, were you school-wise, were you doing school abroad and living, so interstate, away from family, away from friends? That's a bit to take in. It was really, uh, it was an eye-opening experience probably. I mean, I was in the middle of year 12, Sacred Heart, the school I went to, were great. I mean, they they take a lot of pride in their 100% states completion. Mm. So they did, make it happen. <laughs> they did everything they could to make sure I got my SACE. Yeah. And there was no way that I wasn't going to. So, I mean, in the space of maybe a month, six weeks, I finished pretty i finished i think how many subjects do you need to four or five subjects you do in year 12 yeah, four in research project maybe yeah so i'd finished research project i finished another two i then had to do one english assignment and my web design okay yeah i did them remotely it was the hardest thing in the world because mm. i'd come home from training absolutely wrecked and then okay i've got to write this essay and it was just my qual my quality plummeted mm. but i ended up getting it um so yeah that was school that i dealt with it was, I got the certificate at the end of the day, which mm. was all that my parents and that I were really focused about. Um, but yeah, moving out of home, it was, yeah, definitely. I'm like, I, I touched, talk, we talked about like the bills and all that. Mm. Budgeting was probably the biggest thing, but Did you yeah. move in, in with others? Were you in I did, I did. So I was at the start, I was, um, they had us in a little club apartment that I was living in with a few boys that were on trial. Mm. One of them signed um, Matthew Miller, and then we moved in together J just because I couldn't afford to live out of home. Yeah. Like I was on very, very little money. Um, 
they hand out what they're called scholarship contract contracts. So they're pretty much like your apprenticeship. Mm. Um, and because I was 17, it was like the bottom end of that. If I moved out by myself and I'm on the central coast, central coast is a beautiful part of the world. Mm. It's not cheap either. No. So yeah, I had to um, live with him. He was great about it. Um, and so yeah, he, his girlfriend moved up from Melbourne. I just started my girlfriend home with now Eleanor. We'd mm. been dating for, I think it was two months. So like, <laughs> literally I'm off to the other side of the country. Yeah. Like. So yeah, we did long distance through that period, and then through when I was in Melbourne as well. So learned a lot. It was very challenging, mm. um, and credit to her really because I don't know how many girls would stay with their boyfriend went like it's in year 12 you don't know how yeah. serious or how far it's going to go for 10 years and exactly then you find yourself in that position. and you know i was going to chase my dream and i was going to go regardless mm. and i don't know how many you know girls would have stuck with mm. you know stuck with me and and she did and was she I'm, back to you like she backed you you know what you what you wanted and what you were going after yeah. and that you know i think that's you know whether you felt it or not you probably you know to have someone that you've been with for two months kind of be like It'll work out like, you yeah. know, like it's you kind of like, oh, that's a pretty good feeling. Like, yeah. And she bloody made it work too. Like she was working at Foodland, doing year 12, every break would come and visit. Well, like really made it work. And mm. then I came back for a bit, which was probably the worst thing because I came back, life went back to normal. I was home for three months yeah. and then I signed in Melbourne and then she made that work again. Like she was coming over every month. Yeah. Like at least that's a little bit closer. Yeah. Well. A lot closer. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I quite enjoyed it. I got used to it. At the start, I, re- I really struggled. Mm. Um, I think I struggled more than I thought I would. But it was probably, you just had you just had days where you were just by yourself. And for me, I was like, well, this is just not what I'd pictured in my head of how mm. it would be. Obviously, I was going into a team when a lot of the boys were quite local. They were from Sydney. So you'd have a couple of days off um, or maybe they had traveled for a game and I wasn't in the squad. Yeah. And you just end up spending a few days by yourself and, you know, you're kind of just like, well. Especially at 17. Like, you've gone from like, do? Yeah, all your mates around you, catching up on the weekends, like, you know, um, playing sport. Like if you're you're playing with your friends, you know, if you're at yeah. Berks or whatever, yeah. when you, before you went to Central Coast for the first time, like it's it's almost like a group of mates and you all get along to bang. Yeah. Everything. And flipped. I had my close mates that I went to school with and moving, like, you know, I don't know how many mates you'd speak to from school. But all my mates from like year 12 was the best. Everyone said it was the best year of school of your life because you finally turn 18, you become an adult, you have all the schoolies and things like that. I didn't graduate or have any of that. So I had two years like away from my friendship group and then I came back and it was like, yeah, everything's like changed. You know, I I lost Mm. kind of like that two years, which I don't regret at all because I was doing the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah. It was great. but yeah, you found out really quick, like who are your good mates and who you kept in touch with and who I still speak to to this day and who like you were just mates just because we all played soccer together and we yep. went to school together and it was just convenient. So did you find people, you know, you 17 bang, you everyone's like, oh, he's going to the A-League. Did you hear that? Da, da. Did you see people try and slither into your life for like the wrong reason as nah, well? Or nah. you felt like you you had such a solid group, you're like, nah, this is nah. what it and is. And I mean like, it's the A-League. It's not the Premier League. Mm. You know, I, I was going to the Central Coast. I wasn't going to Chelsea. Like, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to make millions of dollars straight away and mm. things like that. So, you didn't have that at all. Um, 
yeah, I didn't really face that, to be honest. That's good. And so then when you came back um, and then you moved to Melbourne again. Yeah. How like So you were in Melbourne, that was one season? Yeah, the COVID year where we had the, the hub in Sydney and all that. Yeah, yeah. How did you, I mean, that's a challenge in itself. So you go there and then you you kind of, it's in a city where you can't really do anything. And- yeah, so I went there. Uh, I would have moved there. It would have been September, maybe 2019. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it was good. I was living, I was in a house with some of the players as well. So it was, a, it was definitely more enjoyable than the Mariners just because towards the back end of the Mariners, I made some great mates, became yeah. really close with a lot of the players um, and sort of found, really got settled. And then I got released and it was like, then I went into a new club. So it was like, start the process mm. over again. So a couple months in, I was living with boys. So it was, you know, it became a lot easier in Melbourne. And then, yeah, COVID hit, couldn't do anything, but I was in a house with players. So it was not too bad. We, yeah. you know, could just go to training, go home and at least would be together. Then I came home for a couple of months because the league stopped. And then, mm. yeah, we went into the hub in Sydney. For me, the hub in Sydney was fine because I was living in Melbourne away from my friends and family, away from girlfriend anyway. So going to the hub, it was just the same thing. Yeah, okay. But for other boys yeah. leaving their their families behind in a time mm. where they were all their families were in Melbourne. So their families couldn't go anywhere. That's a whole lockdown. Nothing. Yeah, nothing exactly. Yeah. And then they were all we were on in the Hunter Valley. Mm. We were actually really fortunate because other teams like Adelaide when we did when they did the hub, they were just in a hotel, couldn't go out. We were on the Hunter Valley mm. on a golf course. Like nice. It was not it was yeah, it was yeah. really nice. Like, it was enjoyable. Bad, like. So it was six six weeks or eight weeks of that yeah. was pretty enjoyable. Mm um but yeah melbourne was definitely a lot easier just because i had more younger boys that were around Mm. my age and um i was living with some as well so it was definitely more enjoyable and the football side as well i went from central coast mariners who are one of the poorest clubs to melbourne city who are part of the city football group linked Mm. with manchester city so they've just got opposites pretty much (laughs) an abundance of gear Mm. you know you've got chefs that are there cooking your lunch like Mm. it was completely different so is that that it's really isolated to city that doesn't really happen at any other club or it does happen at other clubs um i think sydney fc you know some of the more the bigger clubs with more money those sorts of things happen Mm. um unfortunately the clubs and the league's not in a position where the owners are really able to throw all that money into Mm. other clubs it just doesn't happen but it's not a necessity at the end of the day. Like I had an option of either staying at Melbourne City or staying at Adelaide. And it was like, well, they've got a pitch. They've got a gym. Mm. They've got balls. We've got a change room. That's soccer. <laughs> That's all I need. Yeah, yeah. You know, the chef and the beautiful gym and the nice in-ground like recovery center. Mm. That's just the little one percenters. And, you know, it's nice and you might feel like a little bit more mm. of a professional. But as long you as can I generally can... find those, like I noticed, like you go to the, um, for a while there, you're putting up like you're at Plunge. Um, yeah, I still go place. there pretty so, much like, every day. Yeah. A lot of those things are accessible. They're just yeah. not at that place. Of which, exactly. Big whoopty, like drive 15 minutes, it's Adelaide. You get there in no time. Yeah. And if you what... live local, even better. Yeah. And what I found is that a lot of the boys, the younger players that had been there for a little while and all those things had just become normal to them. Mm. So, you know, after, like for the first probably couple of months, I was using the hot and cold baths in the ground, like, you know, the pools that we had every single day. Mm. And it was great. I was like, this is amazing. How good are these? And then the novelty wears off and like, I can't really be bothered today. Yeah. You know. You're I, doing it because it was cool and flashy. And yeah. I was like, like, you know, how good is this? And But then it was like, well, these are just normal. They're here every day. Yeah. I don't really, you know, 
I don't cool really anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a wasn't a necessity, and I mean, it didn't. Yeah, if it was, I would have stayed there. Would never have come back. No, and that's it. Um, like it's your and down to food and all those sort of things. Like it's big whoopty, but now you found like, it, is that outweighing being around family and your girlfriend? Like, yeah, no, that's no. not, not going to outweigh and that. And the opportunity to play. That was the biggest reason why I moved back is like I said, Adelaide didn't have a number one keeper. So city was just still on as like a third keeper. Yeah. I was going to yeah. be number three or yeah, okay. maybe even number four at that stage. I wasn't entirely sure because I be ended crazy. up signing another keeper. Wow. So it just yeah, that, shows you timing is so, so important. Could have been completely like, you know, then, where you are now being in the Aussie squad, what would have happened if you went to City and you hadn't played and hadn't proved yourself? Like it's sliding doors moments. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like I think that's a skill in itself, knowing when to say yes and no more than anything. Like it's not necessarily hunting down those opportunities. It's just knowing when they do come through, being able to quickly assess them and say yes or no. Mm. Um, did your City, like because City and Adelaide, did they were they pretty much coming through at the same time? Like Yeah, know? so I was, I was the end of that COVID year. I'd come back home. I was doing my quarantine and things and it was just kind of, okay, what's next? Mm. You know, I was off contract. So yeah, it was just waiting. They offered me another scholarship deal, Melbourne City. Um, Adelaide offered me a scholarship deal and yeah, it was just weighing up the pros and cons of both. Mm. Ultimately... You know, Paul Izzo, who used to be the number one here, he'd gone to Greece because of COVID. Like I said, there was little money. So it was just, okay, where's the best opportunity for me to play? Because I spent the back end of the the hub year on the bench yep. um, through the final series and stuff. So I got a little bit of a taste of like being in the squad, being on the bench consistently, and I mm. loved it. It was great. Yeah, to Give just, me more. I need yeah, it. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to be in sort of a similar position to I was in the previous season of being on the bench and stuff. And Adelaide, I felt, was going to be the best for mm. that. So... I was like, okay, I'll I'll go there. It's the best of my football, and guess what? It's a bonus. It's my hometown club. I've mm. supported them since I was, you know, God knows how old. All my family's there, girlfriends there. There's just all pros to it. Yeah. So it just made complete so sense. It's why you you're playing. You 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 do play soccer to actually play and get on the field, not yeah. to sit on the bench. And but I kind of lost that for a little while as well. well. Like when I first signed as a pro, like I didn't play for the first two and a half seasons you kind of lose that why you why you're training because mm. I was training, 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 but I wasn't playing. Didn't see any so I didn't return see, as per se. Like. Yeah, and I was playing in the youth team and things like that, but ultimately I was an A-league contracted player, professionally mm. contracted player, so I wanted to play professionally. Mm. I How knew you- I wasn't good enough at the, yeah. at, when I was younger, but I still wanted to get that opportunity. And I and if I played and didn't do well, mm. I'd been the first one to put my hand up and say, okay, I wasn't good enough. Mm. I need to get better. Um, but yeah, I, I lost that sort of, okay, why I'm training to play. Like, that's why mm. I'm doing it. You know, before I made my debut in 20, uh, what year was that? 2021, I hadn't played a professional game in like over two years, uh, professional game. I hadn't played a, a competitive game in over two years. Mm. And so that was so the last time that was Burks, was it? Was that your- Uh, it was, I played and a youth team game for for the Mariners. Okay. Oh no, Adelaide City. When I was at Adelaide City in yeah. between clubs, that was my last like competitive game because I went to to Melbourne City. Uh, I played. A, I actually well, played a little bit in the, in the youth yeah. league, but then COVID hit and I couldn't. Like we didn't play mm. any games, so I just what, didn't have you, the opportunity to play. Do, mentally, like how are you? How are you navigating that? Then are you um, like by the sounds of it, it's not. You know, you're not going to go to the other guys on the field or whatever, and t- like you is that f- you're you know leaning on family shoulder to try and because that's I know you know 
personally, you know, it's not a, a, a direct correlation, but you know, training six, seven times a week and still kind of being like, well, you know, it's a few years later and nothing has happened. Like I haven't made it yet or whatever, whatever. It is challenging. You start doubting some of the things that come into play. Like where do you, how did you navigate that to being like, no, no, just stick with it. Be patient. I honestly don't think I was as serious about my football during that. When I was in, when I was on the central coast, it was all about just getting better. I knew I wasn't going to play. So I was content with not playing. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, I'm doing the training. I'm working hard to get myself to a level to eventually be able to play. Um, at Melbourne City, very similar situation. I knew I wasn't going to play. And I probably wasn't as switched on as I am now. I didn't take myself as seriously as I do now. I just take my career as seriously. Mm. I was just content. I was happy. I was living with mates and just training and just happy just to be probably just accept mediocrity and just be mediocre. Yep. And then I was fortunate enough, you know, to then get another con to get an offer at Adelaide. And that's when I think the sort of light bulb went off in a, probably not fully until I started playing. I played 10 games and then I ruptured my rec fem right. in the warm up. Yep. So I tore my rec fem, which is the tendon in your quad, off mm. the bone. Um, I spent three months, I spent my whole off season rehabbing. So I didn't have an off season that year. I did so it completely came off. Pretty Ultimately, much, yeah. Um, did the I didn't have surgery or anything. We took like just a really slow rehab because it was going into was that the back end of the season. Um, I did all my rehab. I came back, trained for a month. I was then playing in the youth team to get mm. some minutes leading up to the start of our A League season. Second game back, did it again. Um, got a an injection, a plasma. Um, it's, I think it's called a PRP, plasma rich platelet injection. Yeah. Did another eight weeks of rehab and then came back. And during that period is when I properly switched to, okay, like I need to be serious about my career and, mm. and my body and how I'm looking after my body and all those things. Because before, prior to that, I think I was just very content of just doing the bare minimum. Um, and I was, you know, and saying that I was still working hard and was still putting in a hundred percent, but I wasn't going above and beyond. No. And yeah, it was through injury that like really opened my eyes to, okay, well, because I was, I was coming off contract at the end of this season. I signed Adelaide for one year. I'd just started playing. Yep. We were negotiating the extension of my contract. I, uh, myself and my agent, we accepted terms the night before I ruptured my quad. Yeah, that's not good. So we, we accepted terms and then I ruptured my quad. So they didn't, the club could have easily turned around and said, no, we're not going to yeah, give you the extension. Yeah. But it just opened my eyes to how close I was to being off contract with no right leg to kick mm. the ball because I couldn't, I yeah. could not walk. And you might find yourself back in that third or fourth position again. I could have quickly. found myself back in MPL very, very easily. Yeah. Um, and so that was probably when, yeah, I was like, okay, I need to really look after my body i need to make sure i'm you know doing more off the field before training after training to look after myself um and yeah that's when sort of that was yeah then i started playing and i just went that's when i slowly just started going down the rabbit hole of yep. he health and well-being mm. woo ice bath sauna like that's mm. when it just and i love that now i love that stuff now that's just me i'm now I haven't had it i'm now 13 months without a drink of alcohol like yep. i've just it's probably changed my life getting injured, which is 
pretty crazy. Wake like, up call though, isn't it? Like, oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. The biggest wake up call. Mm. But often I feel like that's the case. You have some like, and how often does a negative turn into a bigger? Yeah, well, positive. that's uh, but that's the person you are because it doesn't for a lot of people. Uh, it depends on the person that the negative happens to. Like a lot of people let that thing. Oh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, you know, like but you went. Hang on, I've got work to do now. I've got things I need to change. Like it's it's that's your approach to it as well, mm. um, and that's powerful. It shows that that's that next level sort of mindset that you have to carry with you. Um, especially as you're now, you know, pushing into the even bigger squads with the Aussie team and all yeah. that. Like it's you can't have. I don't that think I'd be there gallery. though. Sorry to cut you off. I don't Man. think I'd be there though without that injury. Because mm. I did my hamstring the, in that preseason before, but it was eight weeks. I was back. Um, but then I'd started, I still hadn't played at that point. So mm. I was in that same mind frame of just training, get better, wait for my opportunity. I was number three. Then I played and got a taste of, okay, this is what I'm training for. These are the, this is this feeling, this, the adrenaline. Yeah. I still get it now. And like thinking about it, just, I can't help but smile. That's but- what the 12 year old Joe wanted. Like, exactly. Sort of thing. Like when you were out there watching the field, you're like, that is the feel. Yeah. Like that running out there and crowd cheering or, you know, Yelling abuse from behind you, like yeah, whatever it is, it's, 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 a, know, like, it's addictive. Yeah. That feeling is addictive. Rush, and I finally got that, and then it got taken away from me. Mm. In literally, I was warming up to play the game. Mm. Blink of an eye, done. Mm. And like I was, you know, obviously as you would be, very emotional. And then I worked my ass off for three months. Didn't have an off season. Could have gone on holiday. No, I'm gonna make sure my body's right because I want to come back and play the next year. And then to do it again. So then after that, it was like I had six month period and I spent five months of the of that period injured. Yeah. Unable to train. So it was like, okay, I need to do something here. Mm. And then, yeah, if it wasn't for that, it then just changed my whole outlook on how I go about things, you know, how hard I'm actually working. Can I, you know, I'm saying I work hard, but what am I actually doing? Mm. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of self-reflection. Yeah. Those, you know, um, coaches of the higher level look for and they see the scouts and whatever like you know they see they're not just watching you in the game they're like what does joe do in the warm-up for the game like is he you know, just twaddle out and you're a little bit late like that they pick up on those things as well because they know that that's what that's a part of the the person they want in the aussie team i don't want someone that just doesn't you know that the old joe yeah, that you know him. That's kind of like, yeah, mediocre is good. Like they don't want mediocre. They're looking for the next guy to replace Matty Ryan, and that's not mediocre. Yeah, and so that you know that shift is like you said, you wouldn't be in the position you're at now without that shift happening and the injury and all those sort of things. But you know, kudos to yourself because, like you said, that's a that's a crossroad that you can choose to throw the towel in or you know dig in and see the opportunity to to take that as another chance to level up for yourself as well, which is. It's pretty cool, so that's good. Um, we'll start easing things off, but what um, prepping for a game? Do you have any anything you do specifically uh, mentally, physically? No, it sort of varies depending on what the time, like the time of the game. Um, more often than not, we play it's quarter past seven here, or seven forty-five when we play in yep. you know Sydney or um, Melbourne. Um, but no, nah, generally just pretty relaxed in the morning. Um, I like when I play at home, I love washing my car in the morning. It's, okay. I, everyone I say is like, that's so strange. But there's something about first thing I get out, get the sun in my eyes, you know, yeah. all that. 
Andrew Huberman yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just get my body moving yeah. and I love I love looking after like my car and keeping it clean. There's just something about driving a clean car. You mm. know, when you wash your car and it's looking sparkling clean, it's, it feels brand new. Mm. There's something about just driving to the game. And I was speaking to someone about it and they said like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that clear mind. And I was mm. like, yeah, it's probably what it is. It's just, I can just drive to the game. You know, we wear our um, suits and stuff that we that we get our club suits and you just go into the game, you just feel nice. So I like doing that first thing in the morning. That's Arriving prob- in style to the game. Yeah, I don't like know. There's little- something about it that for me, yeah. I just got... It wasn't even, I wasn't thinking about it in this way when I started mm. doing it. It was just, I train most mornings. Well, we train, yeah, pretty much every morning. And then the morning of the game is really relaxed. So I thought it was just a great time. I could have a bit of a sleep in. Yeah. And then just go and get something productive done in the morning. Mm. And then it turned into this thing where I just do it every home game now. I love it. Um, There's a long line. I, um, only the other last last Tuesday or whatever it was, I had like a jab comp at like seven thirty at night. Oh, what the fuck do I? Luckily for me, like I, you know, I'm still working, so you know, I was up at five o'clock. Had like clients until like midday, and I'm like, I'm getting a bit tired now. It's like seven yeah. hours to it. How do you like? All right, you wash your car, but you can't wash it for twelve hours. No, exactly. Like, yeah, how it's do like you, a that's a long time. Job. Um, um, balancing, yeah. doing something physical, relaxing the mind because you don't want to feel sluggish. If you just sit on the couch, and yeah. play PS Five all day, you'll feel like crap as well. To be fair, I'll I will play PlayStation at when I'm obviously when we're at home. When we're in the hotel, I can get to that, but it's pretty regimented. But um, yeah, I'll I'll probably just eat breakfast when I get back play playstation for a couple of hours because mm. i find that really i love i'm a massive nerd when it comes to that stuff what are you so playing at the moment i played warzone religiously for since yeah, covid understandable it's, R- it's like highly re- addictive religiously <laughs> yeah. um and yeah now i'll just play that until lunch and then yeah. after lunch is when i start to tone it like dial it in really i'll do some mobility stretching for like 15 30 minutes whatever yeah. um i then have my like the norma tech compressions I'll jump in those. I'm mm. like a lower setting for about 25, 30 minutes. Yep. I'll then jump into bed, sleep from anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Mm. And then when I wake up from that, I generally feel really refreshed and like ready to go. Yep. And then it'll be pretty much meal, shower and head to... And I'm at the ground like two and a half hours before kickoff. Yep. It is really, really early. Most boys, like latest arrivals, 90 minutes before. Yeah. I'm there an hour before that just because, again, I don't want to have that same feeling like I did first session at the Mariners nah. walk in and, oh, my God, I'm late. Mm. Um, I just like getting there and like relaxing because I'm there. Once I'm there, I'm not going to be late. So, mm. you can get there, relax, have a coffee and just, yeah, relax because then when I start to get to the game and, you know, I start to take my caffeine and the adrenaline hits, then yeah. I'm... I'm buzzing until 3 a.m. Like, so you don't really have coffee then in the morning at all? You're trying to delay that until... Oh, I mean, generally I do. Mm. So like I heard Huberman speak about that delaying of the coffee and like how it actually works. I was like, I'm going to try it. Mm. Work to tree. Like just it, just a little, like 90 minutes, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, as long as I just wait from waking. when I wake up to when I get to training to, yeah. have, to have my first bit of caffeine. Mm. On a day of the game, I love coffee. I could drink it mm. any hour of the day. Um I'll just I'll just have coffee because I just have caffeine all through the day, and then I have pre workout before the game, and then I have a caffeine gel at halftime. Yeah. So the amount of caffeine I'm having on the day of a game is ridiculous. I was going to say how many? Oh, it's no, milligrams you're smashing in there. Well, I think I figured it out. If coffee's like eighty, mm. I'm having about four coffees, and then pre workout, which is two fifty, and then a gel, which is about ninety or a hundred and something. So you're close to six hundred. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting. It's a lot. I, um, but it's also, what did I, because I just finished um, studying nutrition as well. And it was anywhere from six, uh, after I think it was seven or eight milligrams per kilo of body weight, there's no increase in like benefit to your training stimulus. I'm like, that's a fuck ton of caffeine. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how much you weigh or whatever. I'm like 86 or something. I'm thinking if I'd have even at the lower end of that, having like six milligrams per kilo, I'm going to be zooted. Like, yeah. Probably, there's like the other night I mentioned, it, I was like, I had like the, the late comp, I had 200 milligrams of caffeine and some like alpha GPC or these other like human sort of focus or things. Because yeah. for Jav, like it's such a, you can't try too hard, but you got to try hard. Like you can't be jittery. Yeah. So you got to be really like focused because it's so technical. You let that tip just wander a little bit, then it kind of just crushes the rest of the technique as well. Yeah. So that focus from those other nootropics and those sort of things. But I'm like, I'd laying in bed, I was like laying there with my eyes wide open. I was like, roll on one side. Roll. Like, but back to your point of recovery then as well, surely you don't sleep awfully well. Like you've got the high of the game. So you're fucking pinging off just the crowd, the noise and yeah. all that. Plus you've got nearly 600 milligrams of caffeine through yeah. the veins. Like that's not going to be a great night's sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's imagine. terrible. And I mean, I have my last, I mean, dose of caffeine. If we play 7.15 or 7.45, I'm having an 8, 8.30 at night. Mm. I'm having like, it was 100, uh, 100 milligrams or whatever of caffeine. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, but, oh, my sleep is terrible. Mm. It, it's funny. I've, I've noticed, I've only started taking pre-workout before a game this year. I've noticed it actually, I'm very alert, but I'm also very calm, Yeah, which is kind of strange. But I think pre-workout's just got so many other things in it as well. Like- yeah, it's got beta alanine in mine. I've got a little bit of creatine and then a bunch of other stuff. Do you find beta alanine's annoying with the tingles the t- though? I love it. Like, oh, I, I, I took beta alanine just by itself, probably at, maybe at the start of the year because I started reading about the benefits for training and things like mm. that. Um, and I took it just by itself and it was just, it was a pretty like a scoop of just beta alanine. First time, that's a lot. Oh my God, my <laughs> lips and like my face and everything were tingling Especially like crazy. Especially you got gloves, you can't itch your fingers or anything like that. Yeah. They're all like going all tingly. Like. But I think there's so little in the pre-workout yeah, that okay. you get it. I just get it a little bit on my chest and on my face, but I love that feeling. Kind of keeps you aware. Like it's like, oh, here we are. Like yeah, this, yeah. I, I love it. But no, my sleep after a game is terrible. I found though when we, when we lose, your adrenaline just disappears. Mm. So I hacked to sleeping well after a yeah. game. And, and you don't want that though. <laughs> no, no, no. So <laughs> like when we have a, a bad result, um, oh, my adrenaline just goes after a loss. Yeah. And I, I, I feel a lot more tired, but then when I do try to sleep, you close your eyes and my mind will just start racing straight mm-hmm. away. Yeah, it's hard. But then, I mean, what do you do? You want to perform well, so you take it. You'd rather, exactly. you'd rather win and be caffeinated yeah, yeah, than yeah, lose. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, 100%. So. I mean- if out of the days of the week, if I'm going to have one one night's bad sleep, is not doesn't throw me out. Like I can still wake up the next day. Yeah, it's I'll, not pre-game night. Like that'd yeah. be a bit different if you're smashing 600 milligrams the night before a game. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't throw me out of whack too much because then the next day I'm able to. As long as then following that, I'm continuing to sleep really well. Yeah, yeah. It I tend to bounce back fine. That's it. Fall back into your routines everything goes yeah. back into play eventually and that's a discipline that you're saying before like if you're just consistent there doesn't have to be world changing routines or whatever just discipline with the small stuff you'll find your way back into it yeah anyway, and it'll be all good that's good all right we might wrap things up there um is there with the with the childhood cancer is that something that people can donate to yeah so people can 
match my donations um, for every game, for one save, for clean sheet, whatever. Uh, childhoodcancer.asn.au forward slash AUFC. Perfect. Also, all my social medias as well. I'm always pumping it yep, out yep. on there. I was going to say, send me through the link. I'll put it in the description as yeah, well. Yeah, for so sure. Appreciate that. For the, the few people that are listening on these early early podcasts, they can donate if they want to as well. But if not, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Ah, pleasure, mate. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I loved no, it. It was good. I'm looking forward to all the best in, in Qatar. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully come back with silverware. That'll be nice. That'll be beautiful. I'll be watching, so that'll be good. All right. Uh, Thanks, Joe. Thank Thank you, you. mate. Cheers. It's weird when you take these off, you feel like. Oh. It's because there's their constant ring the whole time. Yeah. Um, Which is not, it doesn't actually come up after. No, I was going to.